we live amongst those with depraved, foolish, worthless, senseless thinking. And I know it's real hard to be living amongst people, especially when there are leaders, government leaders and officials even, who are not grounded in reality. Their mindset and their thinking is nothing but foolishness. It's hard. But don't forget, we're from God, right? Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Andrew, that is some triumphant music. You know what else is triumphant? Awards. That reminds me, you know what time of year it is? Well, it's coming to the end of the year, so I think that might mean that we're getting ready for another Christian Podcast Community Podcast Awards. That's right. That's right. It's time for us to go look back over the year and say, okay, what are some of the best episodes from the Christian Podcast Community? But we need some help doing this. I, we can't do it alone. So what we're looking for, folks, is if you have good Christian podcasts that you like, you listen to, good episodes, special, and not just your regular run-of-the-mill type episodes, but some episode that you think really was worth going above and beyond, let us know. Email us your favorite podcasts and your favorite podcast episodes. Send it to info at christianpodcastcommunity.org. That's info at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Let us know the podcasts you think deserve an award, and let us know the specific episodes that you think deserve an award. But remember, they have to be Christian podcasts. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I hope this day finds you doing well. I want to spend some time today talking about Romans 1. And I'm sure as a follower of Christ, you can probably relate to what I'm feeling, especially as I watch the news um, and I and I see on TV and listen on the radio or social media, I hear the things that people are saying. Um, and, well, and just the absurdity of what is going on in our world absurdity coming out of the mouths of our leaders, our government officials, um, even certain religious authorities, and and just other people, sometimes even other professed Christians. But I'm sure you can see, just by watching the news, the chaos that's surrounding us right now, the upside-down world that seems to be just like a bad version of the twilight zone that we seem to have entered. And and even though for me, it almost seems like it happened overnight, um, it really hasn't. You know, it's been building up for 
years and years, but we're now seeing the rotten fruit ripening. It's in our face now, and there's there's no escaping it. And I find myself just frustrated sometimes watching the news or, or reading some of the things I read. My response or my reaction, should I say, is not always that of a Christian, unfortunately. I find myself angry and shooting my mouth off, and then the Holy Spirit convicts me <laughs> because that kind of reaction isn't going to get us anywhere as Christians. But there is a way to not react, but but respond. And God tells us how to live in these last days because we are most definitely in the last days here, right? The church age, the church is in the shadow of the tribulation and the rapture is coming very soon. We don't know when, but... um. Frankly, I like it if it came before I finished this episode. <laughs> but, you know, we are to be looking for the return of Christ amidst all this. But anyway, yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about Romans 1 and the reason for why all this craziness. And what I mean by the craziness is, well, let's look at some of these laws, right, that our, that our government officials are making, um, whether it's allowing men into women's bathrooms and vice versa, or, you know, Nancy Pelosi trying to play around with terms, familial terms, and this gender pronoun stuff, <clears throat> and the laws they're making about people having to call someone who is under the delusion that as a man that they're a woman and vice versa, um, laws that say, you know, if we don't play along with their misperceptions that we're to be punished. Or the cancel culture, right? The cancel culture. Anytime someone doesn't agree with someone, they try to silence them, cancel them. Uh, the transgender craze that's, that's hitting the young people and the, the rise in homosexuality and, of course, declaring gay marriage legal or declaring it marriage at all, you know, wanting to defund our police, the lawlessness that even our government's promoting, our politicians just absurd chaos and craziness. And there's a term for it, and it's known as depravity. We as Christians are living amongst depraved minds, those with depraved thinking. And I know when you hear the word depraved, you, you get a picture in your head of somebody just running around, screaming, <laughs> hair all wild, foaming at the mouth kind of person or Adolf Hitler, someone just so blatantly vile and evil. But when it comes to depraved thinking, I think John MacArthur sums it up best. And he says that the word basically means a mind that does not function. A depraved mind is depraved reasoning. It's a worthless mind. It's unable and unwilling to think right. Man cannot think right. He cannot reason properly. And outside of God, man will never reason himself to the truth. He will never reason himself to God, and he will never reason himself to righteousness because unregenerate man, okay, his mind is warped. It's reprobate. His reason is warped. And what this means is it's depraved. It's declining. It's unable and unwilling to think right thoughts. So, 
What a depraved or also known as a reprobate mind refers to is people whose moral sense it's so perverted and their minds are so clouded with their own evil speculations that they do obscenities. And an obscenity, by the way, is something which does not fit into God's moral order. So I'd like to read Romans 1. So if you have your Bible, why don't you get your Bible out and we will read Romans 1 together. And I'm going to start at verse 18 because this really describes the world that we are living in right now. And this is the ESV version I'm reading from right now. And it's God's wrath on unrighteousness. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strive, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice. Does that not sound to you like the day we're living in? But I'd like to look at this um, a little bit closer and talk about, because I know the world says that God is a God of love. Well, God is love. He embodies love. It's it's part of his divine nature. As a matter of fact, some people say the Bible is filled with hate speech. Um, but it's funny because it was written by God who is love. So God isn't capable of hate speech. But anyway, the world doesn't like to think about the wrath of God. That's not one of the things. The world just wants to focus on love. And of course, when they focus on the love of God, they mean 
their kind of love, what's in their depraved, (laughs) worthless, unable to reason mind, you know, kind of a fluffy sentimental love that says, um, as long as you're making me happy, I'll make you happy. I'll, I'll love you as long as I'm getting something out of this. You know, that kind of love, the very fickle love that human beings habitually practice. But it starts out by saying that God's wrath is against those who suppress the truth, right? The first part of uh, Romans 18 tells us clearly that man is without excuse. God has made himself evident through what he's made, through his creation. So basically, this is saying there really is no such thing as an atheist. It's not that the atheist doesn't really think there's a God. The truth is that the atheist, and if you push them, you really dig into their their reasoning, they don't want there to be a God. Why? Accountability. So man's without excuse. The Bible says that everyone knows God, okay? They know he exists. They know. But it says Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. If we're not making God a part of our lives, if we don't honor him as God, as righteous, as holy, as truth, if we don't honor him or appreciate all he does for us, the common grace, right? Like the Bible says, the rain, God sends rain on the good and the bad, (laughs) There's a common grace here for everyone. There are some pretty wicked, ungodly people who are thriving pretty well on this earth and pretty happy, truth be told, when it comes to material things. But as we know, this time here on earth is very short. And all these temporal things that we take such delight in will one day be gone. They won't even exist. They're not eternal. But because... They knew God, but didn't, didn't honor him, didn't recognize him. I mean, let's face it. Society has said, we don't want you, God. We don't want to be like you. We don't want to be in your image. We don't want to honor you or your commands, your moral precepts. Leave us alone so that we can do as we please. Just leave us alone. We're happy with the way things are. Basically, what they're saying is, we love our sin. We love the darkness, right? We don't want the light. We don't want your light, Lord. We don't want your truth. They don't want God to speak into their lives, nor do they want the people who worship and obey that very God to speak into their lives. In fact, cancel culture, they don't want them to speak at all. Um, That's the kind of society that we're living in. And then it says in verse 21, although they knew him, they didn't honor him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They became fools. And the word fool means a senseless person or a dullard. <laughs> um, someone, but in the biblical sense is someone who disregards God's word because all wisdom proceeds from the mouth of God through his word. Those who don't know his word. Those who don't heed God's word lack wisdom. They have no wisdom. They're fools. I'd like to just maybe read a few versions of verse 21. 
Um, the NIV version says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. The King James version says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. The CSV version says, For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Another version says, Their thoughts are useless, and their stupid minds are in the dark. So, senseless, worthless. Okay, you see all these words associated with their minds. Those are the hallmarks of a depraved or reprobate mine. And then it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And to me, when I see verse 22, what jumps out at me there is, this is a perfect description of the woke generation, right? Those who claim to be woke, they think they're so wise that somehow they've come along thousands of years after a perfect, holy, and wise, and an omniscient, omnipotent God set the rules, set the standards, okay? All the knowledge, all the wisdom. They come along thousands of years later, and for those that have abided by all that God has set forth for thousands of years, they're foolish people, according to the woke. They all of a sudden have the answers now, so they think. (laughs) And I just think it's ironic that they call themselves woke, Because the truth is, they are more asleep than ever. They're asleep to reality. They're asleep to the truth. They're asleep to the world around them. But anyway, verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. This is speaking of idolatry. And man has a lot of idols. It isn't necessarily a graven image carved out of whatever material. But here's the scary part. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up. What does it mean by God gave them up? It says it gave them up in the lust of their hearts. And then it talks about um, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. This is sexual immorality, homosexual, heterosexual immorality, okay? Because they exchange the truth about God for idols. When God gives someone over, what he's doing is saying, that's it. I'm done. I am washing my hands of you. I'm going to give you what you desire. Have it your way. Friends, one thing we don't ever want to have is God give us over to anything. Because then there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no turning back. Because when God gives us over... He gives them over so much um, that they're drowning in it, that it just overtakes them. And it says again in verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Then Paul goes on to describe homosexual behavior, both male and female. And it says again, since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God in verse 28, God gave them up to a debased or depraved reprobate mind to do what ought not to be done. But this nation that that made 
gay marriage, it's not really a marriage, but made it legal and acceptable and embraced it. And now it's like you're the oddball if you're straight, if you're heterosexual. You're the oddball if you're embracing your God-given gender that you were born with. Homosexuality now has become such a uh, an option. Transgenderism, it's an option. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's something to be different, right? Yes, there are those who really struggle, have genuine um, mental health issues, and struggle with their gender because of other problems. Most of it, by the way, I think almost 100% of the time is some form of sexual abuse. If you don't believe me, just just read some of Walt Hayer's book. He's a he's a former transgender who, by the grace of God, is now a Christian and fighting for those who are struggling with gender identity. But anyway, um, God gave them up. It says God gave them up. God gave them up. These are people. When, when God gives someone over, they cannot see the truth if it hit them over the head with a two by four. They're blind to it. We're seeing it. I think we're living in it right now where so many have been given over. He's removed his hand from a lot of people and they're now doing what ought not to be done and they're celebrating it and they're reveling in it and they're persecuting those who call it out, who speak truth, who don't agree with it. When you read this, it looks as though things like homosexuality are the result of God's judgment. The huge surge in celebrating homosexuality that we're seeing now, gay pride as they call it, which is so ironic because, well, I did an episode about that one already. Um, God hates pride. He hates it. He despises it. And the kind of pride, gay pride, is a very arrogant, conceited, in-your-face pride and as we know, pride cometh before a fall. But God has given so many people over to a debased, depraved mind. And so this is why we're seeing all these things happen around us. The more people move away from God, the more they move away from truth. And as God said, man hates the truth, right? It says right here, he suppresses the truth. But what happens is the more man moves away from God, God who's truth, the more he moves away from truth. And then the more he moves away from the truth, the more he loses touch with reality. Because at that point, he begins to invent his own truths as ways to soothe his desires, to ease his guilty conscience. And then that leads to suppressing more and more of God's truths and trying to suppress cancel culture, suppress those who represent God's truth because they can't begin to feel any guilt. They need to be, they long to be, they crave to be guilt-free. And when you speak truth, you in fact are bringing light into the darkness that they love and you are exposing them to truth. So basically, really what we have here is, is Christians in many instances, it's like banging our head against the wall, speaking truth. It's like um, talking to a brick wall. We're not being heard because in many cases they can't. Now, is that that way with everyone? No. People that are embroiled in sexual immorality, you know, transgenderism, the, the homosexual lifestyle, the cancel culture, whatever, um, all this nonsensical thinking, 
there are some people who have got caught up in it because they don't realize, they don't understand. So we need to keep speaking truth because I don't want you to just assume, you know, oh, everyone's been given over, so there's no point. No, a lot of people have, but a lot haven't. So let's keep speaking God's truths, no matter how much they try to silence us. God will never be silenced. His truths will never be silenced. They may take away one avenue in which to speak truth, but we can always go to a different one, right? We can always find another one. But I understand it is frustrating. You want to scream sometimes at this craziness that we can so clearly see is insanity. It's senseless. It's not rooted in reality at all. I mean, even look at the, the one world government that they're trying to institute, right? One world order. They want, they want to do away with the sovereignty of nations. The Great Reset, if you haven't, look it up. It's right online. The Great Reset, you know, they want to take away people's right to private property and and so many things are going to change the way we do our banking, the way um, the economy, how everything works. They want to do a complete redo. And these aren't godly Christian people who are looking to do this. These are people who are very ungodly that are looking to do this. <laughs> They're doing it through, I mean, even I just look at, look at the vaccine mandate. Now, I don't know where you stand on the vaccines. I am not an anti-vaxxer, but I do believe in people's right to have full autonomy over their healthcare decisions. Okay. Um, except when it comes to abortion, because, well, not hearing my body, my choice when it comes to the vaccine. That's kind of interesting. Um, they say it with abortion, but you got to remember that little body inside you is not your body. It's God's. Okay. Your body has belonged to God. You are a created creature. We are all created creatures. And that unborn life inside of you, I don't care if it's just cells, it's a life. And it's not yours. It's not yours to take. But anyway, a whole different subject, right? <laughs> a whole different episode. But I'm just thinking how I read this morning that Mayor Bill de Blasio is mandating that five to 11 year olds now get vaccinated. And this really worries me because they are testing the waters, folks, for how much you are willing to concede to what they, what they want. Because people know that when it comes to our health and our lives, well, we treasure our health and our lives, right? Most people do. And people will do anything to keep their health from being threatened. Or people will do anything because we become such people of convenience, right? We've had, we've had a pretty easy, come on, we've got a very easy life here in the good old USA. And in many places around the world, we have our comforts that we're used to. And we don't really want anything disrupted or disturbed. We just want to keep going on, you know, the way we've been going on. Well, I got news for you. We're going to be disrupted. Our comforts are going to be disrupted. I'm not even going to get into the, you know, the endless printing of money here that one day it's just going to implode and the debt that this nation has. But this this vaccine mandate by Mayor de Blasio, um, there is no reason for this mandate. 
Please, parents, do your homework. Look at the numbers. COVID has not affected that age group much at all. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some children who have not been adversely affected. There have been adversely adversely affected by the flu as well and other maladies, okay? But look at the numbers. They're so small. Ask most teachers. My daughter's a teacher. Any kids that do get COVID, they're out for a few days and they're back. Good as ever. They had some sniffles. They had a headache. Ask many pediatricians. One of my daughter's pediatricians. Nope, not going to give the vaccine because there's really no reason to. Out of 8,000 patients in their practice, one ended up in the hospital and then ended up fine. Okay, these are out of young kids that got COVID. Our pediatrician, not going to do it. Not doing the vaccine right now because it's not necessary, parents. They're trying to scare you. And these commercials, I'm sure you've heard them, you know. We need to protect our um, next generation's thinkers and inventors and, you know, next great people. We need to protect them now. Get them the vaccine. They, You know, they, this propaganda, communists do it all the time. Dictators do it all the time. They get this sweet-sounding voice on there that that um, basically guilts you into feeling that if you don't get your child vaccinated, you're a terrible parent and you're not protecting them. Never mind, it's a vaccine that is still new, still don't know the long-term effects of. And by the way, there have been people that have suffered ill effects from this vaccine. I have a family member who's one of them. And check into the little girl, Maddie, by the way, who was part of the, um, the vaccine trials, who to this day is still battling health issues now because of the vaccine. So guys, my point is, this is the first in many series, well, not the first, but it's a big step in taking your authority away as parents. Please don't let a government, a politician tell you what's best for your child. Please check out the facts, the science, because they very much go against giving the children this vaccine. I'm sorry. It was put out for emergency use originally for those who needed it. But see, if parents will acquiesce to this, they're going to acquiesce to anything. They're giving people small doses of this, hoping they will just roll over. And then it's not going to end with that, guys. It's going to go into something else and something much bigger. All kinds of things. You are your child's first and foremost line of defense. They don't have a voice. They need you, parents, grandparents, to stand for them, to get your facts in order, and to not be fearful. Yes, taking a stand against this mandate may disrupt your lives, but again, you're in for a worse disruption than this anyway. Better to be disrupted, right, in your life while doing good, taking a stand for what's right, than to be disrupted while you were being apathetic or fearful because of your own comfort. Just something to think about. And I'm getting off track here. (laughs) So we're just going to take a short break here. I'll be right back. Ever wish you could get together with a friend over coffee each week and talk about God's word? Me too. 
Hi, I'm Anthony Russo. I'm the host of Grace and Peace Radio. Grace and Peace Radio is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. I hope you'll join me, Anthony Russo, on Grace and Peace Radio each week at graceandpeaceradio.com or right here on the Christian Podcast Community.org. Look, let's just look at the last part of Romans real quick here, because then I want to talk about how do we live. I want to encourage you through this. I don't want this to be, this isn't a doom and gloom um, episode. I'm trying for it not to be. But the fact of the matter is we're in some troubles right now, and there's more to come. So let's face it head on, because knowledge is power. God gives us a heads up about so many things so that we can be prepared and not caught off guard. But verse 29 in Romans 1 talks about all the characteristics of people who are of a depraved mindset. Those who do not follow God, who do not honor and recognize God. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, Look at all the shootings going on. Look at all the, the the crimes and the lawlessness and the pillaging of neighborhoods and the burning down of neighborhoods and the the attacking of people's livelihoods if they if they want to take a stand for their religious beliefs. We have gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Talk about boastful, right? Because the the, the whole climate, the whole attitude of people is we know better, God. We know better than you. We know better than those who follow you. We have a different way, God, and we have a better way. And they thumb their nose at God. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is the world around us. And it seems like truth is falling on deaf ears. And you think it's crazy now, it's going to get crazier. So how do we live amongst such perversion, such craziness, such depravity. How do we live amongst it? And let's not forget, you know, we once were like that. Before God got a hold of us, before God saved us, this was us. This was me. This was you. And we still have our struggles, right? In so many areas. This was us. So let's have compassion while standing for the truth. Let's be bold, but let's also be loving. These are lost people that are headed for eternal destruction because God will hold them accountable. So how do we as Christians, what can we do? How can we live amongst this? But let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, some of the verses here. And it starts out by saying, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And you know, every time I hear about these social justice movements and all these things and this critical race theory, um, malarkey, it sounds great, right? If you're of the world, it sounds like it's, again, it's all about justice. We all want justice, right? We all want what's right for us. Um, and it sounds good and it sounds caring and loving and wonderful. And it has the appearance of godliness. But when you dig deeper and you get to the root and you find out what it's all about and the motivation for it, it's godless. Okay? Social justice movement. It's godless. Because it's focusing on the wrong things. And truthfully, like CRT, it's dividing people. It's causing such great disunity amongst people, something God does not want, something God hates. So to continue on, it says, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Again, when I see that scripture, that also speaks of the woke culture to me. Um, mankind, I guess, even in general, because we've come such a long way with technology. We've learned so much. Of course, we all know it's from God. Um, he gives us the ability to learn how to do things, but the woke people are always quote unquote learning. They think they're learning and they're learned, but they never arrive at a knowledge of the actual truth. They hold to their own absolutes. You know, society is its own truth, which is as we can see, a very dangerous and destructive thing. But then it goes on to say in verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Listen to this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, this is you and I, Christian, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. We have to continue in what we've learned, what God has taught us, in what we believe. That is what's going to make us wise. That's where our wisdom comes from. That's how we live in this ungodly, dark world. Around the world, there is a coalition of warriors, fanatics, if you will, and they're marching forward in perfect unity, okay? I wish the church was in such unity, but it's not. 
But the anti-God people, they are in unity. They're all thinking the same thoughts. They're shouting the same ridiculous slogans. Um, and they're perpetually working and fighting against all forms of godliness. So again, living amongst this, right? There's some other Bible verses I'd like to encourage you with too. And they're found in 2 Peter chapter 3. If you look at 2 Peter 3, it opens up with this. The day of the Lord will come. Verse 1, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. So Peter's addressing the church. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. Hey, we all need reminding, right? That you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So Peter mentions scoffers. Peter continues on, if we go to verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Okay, he's patient toward you. You know, she said you, he was addressing the church. Okay, here's, people kind of get confused with this scripture. He's not talking about the world. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is waiting for those that he's chosen before the foundation of the world to come to repentance. We hear the gospel, we repent, we believe in, and we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God is not waiting for the world to repent, only those that are chosen to be his. And it says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now, here we go. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So what does it say here in verse 11 and 12? We're to wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God. We're to live in awareness, awareness that this world is temporal. Life here on earth is short and that Jesus' return is near. We are to expect and live in expectation the coming of the day of God. We're to be looking up, people, right? Not around. We're to be looking up. As we live in expectation, let's let God's return just fill our minds as we live holy lives, right? We practice holy conduct. What does it mean to practice holy conduct? What I mean is it's living godly. It's, it's a strong desire in our heart to please God in all things, to live our lives out for the glory of God. 
And it says in verse, uh, if we continue on in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Be diligent. Right? We've got to be diligent. In other words, we've got to keep at it. Keep on keeping on, as the saying goes, right? Don't stop. Even if it's frustrating or discouraging, and it will be, I can promise you that. (laughs) Keep at it. There's a payout at the end, a marvelous, wonderful payoff, right? Without spot or blemish, let's not get caught up in the deception. Let's not get caught up in the ways of the world. We've got to stay in God's word. Please stay in his word. How else are you going to know truth from lies? Stay in God's word and don't just read it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer, right? And honestly, if we're doing those things, we're going to be at peace. If we're in prayer, if we're looking to his coming, if we're diligent to be found by him, living without spot or blemish, be diligent in the word and in prayer and in loving others and in speaking the truth, right? We are going to be at peace. Even though there's such turmoil and chaos around us, we're going to be at peace. You can't help it. And it says in verse 15, and count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Now, John MacArthur here says in, in regard to that, In addition to what Peter has already explained in verse 9 about the Lord's patience being the reason he delays judgment, here he adds that during the time of God's patience, Christians should engage in seeking the salvation of souls. Let's not stop. Again, some have been given over. It's too late. But we don't know who that is. So let's carry on the gospel in love, speak the truth in love, as though no one has been given over. Because only God knows who has and who hasn't, right? And then verse 17 in Galatians or in Second Peter 3 says, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Because let's face it, so many that claim the name of Christ in the church are in fact being carried away. How many churches are? We went to Maine. For our 35th anniversary, we love going up to Old Orchard Beach, but traveling through Maine while we were there, I don't know what it is about Maine, but almost all the churches there had rainbow flags, Black Lives Matter signs, social justice signs, and I thought, wow, this church up here is lost. They've fallen for it. They're deceived. You know, guys, a a good marker is what is the world flocking after, right? What is the world, what's the bandwagon that most of the world seems to be jumping on? It's climate change. It's social justice. It's Black Lives Matter. It's um, transgender, transgenderism, um, LGBTQ, you know, um, all these things that the world is really embracing and approving right now, that's a red flag Uh, because God tells us that the world is actually, what is that verse? 1 John 5, 19, ESV version I like says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
So the world, which lies in the power of Satan, what are their causes? What are they flocking to? What seems to be what they call good and right? And that these are the things that I just mentioned. That tells you right there, don't jump on that bandwagon. Social justice is not the same thing as God's justice, biblical justice, the justice that God wants us to be concerned about. It's not that kind of just. As a matter of fact, social justice is not at all compatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's make sure that we don't get carried away and lose our own stability. Notice that stability. We are stable as believers, right? We have stability. The world is not stable. It's so back and forth on what is quote unquote truth because, well, truth is subjective to them, right? It's whatever works for you. What's true for you may not be true for me, so they say. But this tells us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We have to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How? By being in his word. And of course, please, let's gather together with the saints, right? With our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the Bible tells us that we are not to forsake the assembling together. It doesn't say in case there's a pandemic or you might get sick. It says don't forsake it. Even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching and we see it. So that Bible says even more so it's imperative that we are in fellowship with other believers. We need each other. And by the way, that was Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have, it says but to be all the more diligent, right, in doing so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So these are the traits, right, as Christians that, that, that characterize, that are supposed to characterize Christians, living in awareness. Difficult days are going to come. And what that means, by the way, difficult days, it means fierce, perilous, hard to deal with, or hard to bear. But again, to be forewarned is to be forearmed, right? So many just want their ears tickled. They want to be soothed and told that everything's going to be okay. Well, it is going to be okay as far as our souls go, our eternal state, right? We're never going to be alone in this. God has promised to not help us avoid the fire, but to be with us through the fire. Let's live in expectation of his coming. Let's live holy lives. God told us the world's going to hate us because it hates him. If we stand for him, we represent him. They're going to hate us. We, we can't make the world like us, but we can still live holy lives. We can still speak the truth in love. Doesn't mean you got to sugarcoat everything. Because sometimes truth is truth and truth is, it hurts. It's hard to hear. We don't want to water stuff down like, some of the church has done, um, watered down the gospel to make it palatable for unbelievers, which is really sad because church is for the body of Christ. Church isn't for unbelievers, by the way. It's where we gather together and we worship as one. We worship together. We open the scriptures. We come together in prayer. We become armed and strengthened. We grow as in uh, 2 Peter 3.18, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. We equip ourselves to go out beyond those walls into the world 
and live our holy lives and preach the gospel. People are so worried about turning people off. Oh, we, we can't say that because there might be someone, you know, who, who just can't handle hearing that and we don't want to turn them away. Well, I hate to tell you, but their salvation doesn't really depend on you because I believe in a totally sovereign God. I believe in divine election and predestination. I hated it once. I hated it. I despised it, but God got a hold of me and I cannot see it any other way. Now, as a matter of fact, the other way kind of repulses me when I think that somehow it was up to me because I look back and I was like, no, and I'm so glad it wasn't because then it would be up to me to keep my salvation too, I suppose. And I can't do that either. But we've, we've got to stop being so afraid of what we say in church as far as God's truths go. If you're preaching the gospel the way it should, God will send the people he wants to come to know him. And if someone comes to your church and doesn't like what they hear because you're speaking the truth and a gospel that's not watered down, well, then maybe it's not their time to be saved yet, or maybe they never will be. It's because they're not one of God's chosen and they've chosen to reject him. Okay. They've chosen to reject him. Again, Bible tells us we were all dead in our sins and trespasses. No one seeks after God. No one Without God's help, none of us would seek him. We're just not as good as we think we are. But God in his mercy said, I'm going to save some. So yes, we live in a depraved world. We live amongst those with depraved, foolish, worthless, senseless thinking. And I know it's real hard to be living amongst people, especially when there are leaders, government leaders and officials even, who are not grounded in reality. Their mindset and their thinking is nothing but foolishness. It's hard. But don't forget, we're from God, right? And God has overcome them. And greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. That's from 1 John 4, 4. But verse 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. The world doesn't want to listen to us, but keep speaking the truth to the end. Be diligent. Don't give up because you never know who you're going to get through to, who the Holy Spirit's going to get through to by your obedience. Because we're from God and he who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You're not alone. God is with you always. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are going through the same thing that you're going through. We're in this together, right? But remember, we have a hope that the world doesn't have. Because when Jesus returns, all will be made right. We will be living in the truth, and everyone around us is going to be living in the truth. Second Corinthians six sixteen. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I hope this has encouraged you today. Um, We're going to get through. For a while, evil men will seem to be thriving, but it's only for a short time. 
God is orchestrating all things to bring about our complete and full redemption and sanctification, right? As Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So don't be dismayed, my friend. Don't lose your courage or your resolution. God has this, and he has you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're living right now stuck in between two worlds, the world that we live in and the eternity that we look forward to in heaven. And so here we are, God, in the middle where chaos abounds and less makes sense or aligns with your truth, the truth of your word, God, or your intention for creation. But we know, God, that through it all, you reign, and death has already been defeated. And in your great mercy, Lord, you're waiting for every ear, those that you've called to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're still leaving that window of opportunity open for your chosen to come to you and live in the presence of your love, Lord. We pray today, God. Do you help us bless our lives to honor you in everything that we do? Every word, every deed, every day in the mundane, God, let all we do be for your glory. And in this life here, God, and the one that we're waiting for, give us courage to operate in your truth, even when we're afraid, God. Lord, they're stripping your name from everything and everywhere. And as they do that, let us proclaim it louder and longer everywhere we go that Jesus Christ has defeated death and in him we're victorious and we know that he will come again so God please be our strength when it's hard to be Christians in this world God fill us with your encouragement and fortify us with your perfect love your perfect love that casts out fear it's in Jesus holy and precious name we pray Amen. Okay, I have a couple songs for you to follow up with this, ones that I I hope will really encourage you. I will have the link to them in the podcast description as well as on my website. The first song is It Is Well With My Soul, and um, these are on YouTube, by the way. And another great one is Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. And here's another one I really love. It's by Keith Green. It's an it's an oldie, but it's a great one. And it's called, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. So again, I'll have the links to those on my website and in the podcast description. I have um, a couple upcoming episodes in January. And one of them is with Dr. Jay Wiley. He authored <laughs> the science books that my kids who were homeschooled learned from. Um great science books, wonderful author. He also holds a PhD in nuclear chemistry, and he's won several awards for excellence in teaching, Um, and he's presented lectures on the topics of Christian apologetics, nuclear chemistry, homeschooling, creation versus evolution, and his Exploring Creation with series of textbooks. They were written for junior and high school students. Fantastic textbooks, but he's going to be on. We're going to talk a little bit about um, global warming and the climate change, and we're going to separate fact from fallacy. 
<laughs> and talk a little bit about that because there seems to be a lot of fear mongering going on with that too. And he's not just knowledgeable, but very articulate in, in how he explains things. So I'm really looking forward to talking with him and sharing that with you. And my other guest is going to be Anthony Russo. He's a fellow podcaster of mine from the Christian podcast community. And he has written an excellent book. I just started reading it. So far, it is just wonderful. And we're going to talk about that book. It's called Jesus Changed Everything. And it's for actually both non-believers and nominal Christians, but it engages readers with an evangelistic evangelistic reminder of the good news of who Jesus is and why he remains the only answer, not only in this life, but for all eternity. It's a great book. So we're going to talk to Anthony a little bit about that. Um, These are coming in January and then in... um, maybe January, but possibly February, I'm going to be doing another episode with my friend Sarah Broyhill Anderson. We're going to go cherry picking through the book of Leviticus. That's going to be really good too, because a lot of people seem to like to quote Leviticus against Christians when it comes to, well, homosexuality more than anything. But um, they, they call them clobber verses and they think they're clobbering us over the head. Um, using our own scriptures against us, and they accuse us of cherry-picking. And they're right, we do cherry-pick, but for a good reason, and we know why we're cherry-picking. So we're going to cherry-pick through Leviticus, and I think it's going to be very engaging and, and hopefully helpful and empowering to you as well. So being that one little candle, how can you be that one little candle this week? How can you light your own little corner of the world, given what's going on around us. I'd have to say the best way to do that is to just fear not. Don't be afraid of what they're saying and what they're doing. Don't be afraid and take the time to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Stay in his word. Speak the truth loudly and longer, right? Keep speaking the truth. Let God's perfect love cast out your fear. Do all for the glory of him. If you do those things each and every day, you can't help but be a light in the darkness, and you're going to light the flames of others as you do so. So until next week, you take care, and God bless.